The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger Basketball fans? We are back for your NCAA Tournament Edition. Of the Tiger Basketball Podcast, I'm Mark Giannato, Commercial Appeal Sports Columnist. I'm joined, as always, by Tiger Basketball beat writer Jason Munns. The Tigers are your AAC Tournament Champions after taking down number one, then number one, Houston. Um, They are back in the NCAA Tournament for the second year in a row. An eight seed in the East Region against Number nine seed Florida Atlantic Friday night in Columbus, Ohio. So much to get to on today's episode. So much has happened. Uh, We will go back and take you through some of our favorite moments, take you behind the scenes in Fort Worth this weekend when the Tigers pulled off that tournament title. Uh, And we will look ahead to this weekend. When uh, Memphis takes on Florida Atlantic has, you know, what I think pretty uh, reasonable path to potentially make the Sweet 16 for the first time uh, since the John Calipari era. Um, So a whole lot of stuff, a lot of exciting stuff going on when it comes to Tiger basketball. Jason, let's start here. Um, How much do you think this this. I know we we can maybe see it from the images, but and and what they've said, but just how much you think it meant to them to win this AAC tournament title? What what do you think it meant? What do you think it means moving forward for them now that they are entering the NCAA tournament with a a whole lot of momentum? Well, um, I mean, you know, uh, Penny's been talking about it for the last few weeks. Uh, he started, I guess it may have been last week when he started talking about hanging banners. Um, you know, and it felt like very deliberate on his part that, you know, that like, I mean, he's been saying this for a while now. He's trying to change the culture. He's trying to get Memphis back to doing what Memphis became known for. Memphis became known for, you know, winning championships and, and, and being a perennial player in the uh, college basketball world. Um, and, and, and I think that's really what this was, was all about. Like Penny started this, this journey five years ago and he said out of the gate that his goal was to win an NCAA championship, but that doesn't happen overnight. And I don't even think, you know, I think a lot of people have been a little bit critical of Penny and how um, outspoken he's been in his aspirations. I think people assumed that, and and, and maybe they're not wrong, I don't know, but, but maybe it, it felt like people assumed that Penny meant when he said that, that he would just snap his fingers and it would happen. Now, I don't, again, I don't know if that's accurate or not, whether... Penny did, in fact, uh, think that it would just be easy um, and it would happen sooner than this. Um, but, like, to me, what 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 this actually represents is 
just the next logical step in the progression of Penny Hardaway as a coach, Penny Hardaway as a program manager, um, all these things, you know, like he got the, he got the fans back right out of the gate. He started getting the recruits pretty much right out of the gate. Um, and now he's, you know, he, he won the NIT championship a couple of years ago. Last year, he got him back to the NCAA tournament for the first time in almost a decade. And this time, uh, this year, he has won a conference championship for a program that had not won one in a decade. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and that it just, it just, again, you know, this thing has levels to it and Penny, it's just, it's just the next step. It's, it's the next step up for this program to get it back to where it once was. Well, and I think both in the moment and over the long haul with time, with perspective, I think the meaning of it is also like who he did it with here. Um, you look at this roster, there's obviously, we've seen the bond him and Kendrick Davis have had the promise he made to Kendrick Davis, that, that promise fulfilled Deandre Williams, the, the long road he took to get here to this moment. And, um, you know, just with the two of them in general, I think, you know, have kind of provided Penny with a template of like, okay, these are the types of guys you probably need to build your program around and sprinkle in the five stars. I don't know. You know, I don't know if this is a world where you can build your program around five stars at Memphis. And I think Kendrick Davis and Deandre Williams have shown him um, with their results, with how it's, how well it's gone. Um, You know, they've kind of provided probably a foundation moving forward for the program and also a template for Penny moving forward of what he really needs to build around. So you've got that part of it. You've also got, you know, he's doing it with Alex Lomax, the player who was with him from, you know, the very beginning of his middle school coaching career. Uh, you know, a player who he, you know, lived with him in high school for a large chunk of high school. Um, and um, that's especially meaningful. A player from, you know, Alo from the same neighborhood, same challenges in a lot of ways that Penny went through. Um, you've got Malcolm Dandridge on the team, another you know player who's been with him for eight years now. Um, you've got the Lawson brothers, who you know, like people kind of. It's a it's amazing to me how in the periphery the Lawsons are now. You know, and Chandler and Jonathan are obviously very important part of the team. But, like, compared to when Diedrich and KJ were here and Keelan was an assistant coach, the father, and, you know, people, I think, forget, you know, like, if we're really going back in time when Penny started out as an AAU coach and Team Penny was first starting out, you know, his first big-time recruits that he coached were Diedrich and KJ Lawson. And now they're younger brothers, you know, younger brothers who played for Penny in high school. You know, like that family, if you really think about it, you know, has by and large, you know, entrusted Penny like no other coach with their children like that, I think is pretty significant and meaningful. Um, so Don't forget his son. Yeah. And Jaden's on the team, too. Um, exactly, his son. And he's doing this with his son. Like, there's so much about this. And then, like. That's right. As I've thought back on the celebration after they won, because there were so many like 
fantastic moments in that tournament. I mean, the the performances Kendrick and DeAndre put on in the UCF game where they score 68 of Memphis's 81 points. No other player scores as a field goal in the second half but them um, in the one truly close game they played in that tournament, like game that went down to the last minute. Um, and cause the Houston game was close for, for a time, but that was like an, a display of, you know, those, those two, the, the way those two played that game, I never seen quite anything like that in my, you know, I'm sure there's others who have done it. I just hadn't seen it, um, in, in person or on TV. Um, then you have the Tulane game, which felt like just like exercising a lot of demons and you come out and just absolutely obliterate this team that swept you during the regular season. Um, and you have this signature play with uh, Kendrick throwing the alley-oop to DeAndre. Um, and then the championship game where you go up big, Kendrick's playing out of his mind, going on a heater. Um, and then, you know, Houston claws back into the game and you have to go to your reserves and and win it. And then, you know, like those are all just like, you know, the ALO grabbing his nuts thing. Um, you know, all of that was just fantastic. But oh, like the celebration was still the best part um, because of, again, all the meaning there was behind it. Um, like you could just feel how much it meant to everyone. Um, penny on down. And so, um, it is, uh, it was really cool to be there and see it all happen. Um, especially having covered, you know, all all five of these years, like it, which felt like the culmination of something after everything the program's been through, after everything Penny's been through, um, to get, to get to see the joy and the, just, uh, just how, you know, again, like I can't come up with a better word than just how meaningful this was to all of them was 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 really cool. Speaking of ALO, I wanted to add, like, I don't think it should go unnoted or unnoticed that this this season in particular is highly, highly, highly unlikely without his without him. In a, in in a, in multiple ways, without his you nuts. Ex- well, that's yes, actually, <laughs> uh, yes. Um, but like without his, but but not only that, but also without his uh, selflessness. You know, like most guys who are as close to the head coach of a program as Alex Lomax is to Penny Hardaway. Most guys who, you know, like play this sport and play sports in general, like they wouldn't necessarily, I think it's fair to say the majority of them would not be okay with, you know, their coach going out and and replacing them essentially uh, with, with like, you know, sort of waving the white flag so to speak, and saying, all right, if we're going to get where we need to get, we've got to go get somebody else for the point guard position, right? And Alex, you know, anybody in Alex Lomax's position could have probably said, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not okay with this, or uh, I'm out of here. 
you know, and one of the two things, if, if either one of those two things had happened, this season probably isn't happening the way it is. Cause you, cause not only, uh, do you need Kendrick Davis, but you also need Alex Lomax. And I think that's what, uh, another thing that we learned and, and was proven on Sunday I don't think they win that game without Alex Lomax. Yeah, well, I think it's more than Alex Lomax. They, you just, they, I mean, Kendrick and DeAndre are playing at such a high level and such a high level together. Like that was that tournament was the best they've played as like a duo. It felt like this entire season. Um, and Penny put it, Penny as Penny put it, like there were games where they both scored a bunch of points, but they were kind of doing it with like by themselves almost, like just with their own games and like. Right that tournament felt like the culmination of like the synergy of their games together. But I think the formula hasn't necessarily been like Alex has oftentimes, especially before he got injured was that third guy for in several games, but they, you know, with those that do, they really just, they need like another guy or two to join in on the fun. And it it can be a low, it can be, um, Demarie Franklin. It can be, you know, Chandler Lawson, it can, you know, occasionally it's been Jonathan Lawson. Um, it could be Malcolm Dan, Malcolm Dandridge. Um, so I think it's more like that, but you're right. Like Alo has played, you know, like Alo has been a very valuable piece to have on the roster this season. Um, and I, I think, you know, you know, you, you say like it, you know, it takes him swallowing his ego. I think partially though, you know, like Penny has said now, like he the word he's used is he strategically put this team together with guys who would act like that when they were asked, like when they were told, hey, you're not going to be the starting point guard anymore. Like we've talked about, it's been talked about, like the players he allowed to leave, you know, like two of them were on the all AAC teams. Landers Nolly was a first team all AAC selection. Tyler Harris yeah. was third team all AAC. Um, you know. He said he said it, and I think it's been proven out. Like, you know, it's not necessarily just about ha- accumulating talent. I think it's something this team has not necessarily taught him, but I think it has proven to him that that like there is a template that there is a template within this roster. You're not going to have a roster completely with seniors like this year's team necessarily, but within this roster, there is a template that can serve him well, not just this year, but for years to come with this program, because, you know, it, it just feels like he's, you know, this is, this isn't the most talented team he's had last year's team was probably more talented, but it feels like this year's team is best positioned to go on a run. You know, the way it's playing, the way it's made up, how they have these two definitive, you know, horses that they're going to ride. Um, uh, and and one of them happens to be an elite point guard. Um, they're much better put together and much better equipped, I think, to really, um, you know, it's already kind of been a uh, narrative shifting season, if you will, like a season that's really going to, I think, be a la- true launching point, hopefully for the Penny Hardaway era, you know, but it also feels like over the next, you know, few days, maybe weeks, like it could really truly turn into a special season because of how it's made up because of the potential this group has right now. Well, so on that note, uh, Friday, it begins Friday. Um, yeah. 
you know, eight eight twenty Central Time is the is the well, scheduled tip off. Well, let let's start here. So let's start here with in terms of the tournament. So they're obviously they're playing Florida Atlantic. They're the Conference USA champion, thirty one and three this year. Um, they have a win over Florida, a loss to Ole Miss at the beginning of the season. Um, they ran roughshod over the over Conference USA this year. A lot of the a lot of the the at quote unquote experts are saying much like Memphis, they were also underseeded uh, in this tournament. Um, you know, also in this in this bracket, you've got um, Purdue as the number one seed, probably awaiting you in the second round if you win. Uh, they're going to play either Fairleigh Dickinson or Texas Southern in the opening round. Texas Southern, coached by former Memphis interim head coach Johnny Jones. He's become the king of the play-in. He gets Texas Southern there every year, it seems like, recently. Um, so you've got that aspect of it. But um, So I'm curious, your thoughts, Munns, on Florida Atlantic um, and the challenge that awaits Memphis on Friday night. Okay. Florida Atlantic or FAU as they uh, – Future, the future AAC conference. Next year, this will be a conference game. Uh, against yes. Florida Atlantic, get a little get a little uh, uh, appetizer, so to speak, for uh, for what's to come. And it will be the first time these two programs have ever met on a basketball court. Um, so you know, there's there's quite a level of unfamiliarity uh, when it comes to Memphis and FAU. But uh, you know, just in, in 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 hearing what people have to say about them and what people write about them, and and just kind of what you what you can glean from uh you know doing your research um there is not a team in the country that has more wins than fau Mm. fau has 30 fau is 31 and 3 houston and charleston are the only other two teams in division one basketball to win 31 games this season so that is uh prominent (laughs) like that's that that's enough to get your attention but I like I view this matchup the same way I viewed Memphis Boise State last year. I thought that sure Boise State was capable of beating Memphis. Um, they were talented. They were well coached. Uh, but like at the end of the day, I expected Memphis to win that game and Memphis won that game. So like that, and that is exactly how I feel about Memphis versus Florida Atlantic. I mean, you know, Florida Atlantic to me is, is dangerous because they shoot the three ball a lot. And they shoot it pretty well. Like I've seen games where they shot 36 threes this season um that's that's crazy to me uh you know uh but like if it works it works and more often than not it works so um that's going to be the challenge that's that's going to be if if memphis can disrupt what fau does what fau um leans on you know specifically from an offensive standpoint, then I think they're going to be fine. Yeah. 
No, if they, I mean, if the, the formula seems to be to me is they hit a bunch of threes, DeAndre gets in foul trouble, and the tempo isn't very fast. Like, it's a slow game. Um, that right. would be the template for Florida Atlantic to win this game, even though I don't think they play a particularly slow pace. Um, but they're, they're 126th in tempo this year, whereas Memphis is 17th in tempo this year. So um, that would probably be the formula to me of how this – if Memphis were to lose this game, that's how it would go. Florida Atlantic's hitting a bunch of threes. DeAndre's in foul trouble. And um, the tempo is not great. Um, now, that being said, Memphis is going to have the two best players on the court in this game. Okay? Like, th- yep. there's just no getting around it. Like, they're going to have the two best players in this game on the court. Um, they're also going to be, I think, if you look at Florida Atlantic's resume, easily the best team Florida Atlantic has played this year. Okay? Um, I, I just don't even think they play. I mean, they're, their best games this year um are a win against a bad Florida team on the road at the beginning of the year a sweep or excuse me two wins over UAB and two wins over North Texas that that's that's those are their best wins this year um and none of those teams are in my mind close to Memphis. They they have one win over a team in the NCAA tournament field. It's over no, number sixteen seed Northern Kentucky. Um, I, I just think if Memphis doesn't doesn't mess around, they're gonna like they're gonna win this game. Um, now maybe you know they're now I haven't watched a lot of Florida Atlantic, and there are people that are telling me, you know, who know basketball like this is a good team. You know, they won thirty one games, and you know, so I, I don't, you know, and it's the NCAA tournament. Like, who the hell knows? Ultimately, you know, it's right. an eight-nine game in the NCAA tournament. It could, you know, very easily, you know, Florida Atlantic could come up with some scheme that mystifies Memphis. But, you know, again, I go back to Memphis is going to have the two best players on the floor, and they are by far and away in my mind, the best team this, this Florida Atlantic team has played. I like Memphis's chances in that scenario. Well, and it's, to me, it's not just about the fact that, I mean, you know, you talked about Kendrick and DeAndre. I mean, like they, they may be the two best players individually that Florida Atlantic has, has yeah. will have seen this year. Uh Jelly Walker's pretty good too. The UAB kid's pretty good. I mean, I don't know if he's as good as Kendrick Davis, but he's not bad. Well, he's um, not an All-American. Kendrick Davis is an All-American, so yeah, that's that's where I sit on that. But like, uh, it's and, and as you said, and I agree, this is definitely going to be the best team that uh, that FAU has seen already. But it, to me, it's more than that. It's it's like it's about the brand. You were talking about tempo before. I guarantee you, uh, FAU has not. Ha, I, I can't guarantee you, but I would be willing to bet that FAU has not seen a team that plays as fast as Memphis does this season. And that is going like, yeah, FAU has, I think, an adjusted def- defensive efficiency of like that ranks 32nd in the country or something like that. Well, I mean, let's see what that def- what that defense can do against a team that plays faster than any team they've seen this year. 
Um, and those are the types of things that you can't prepare for. You can't prepare for pace necessarily. Like you can try to prepare for it, but uh, you won't truly get it until it's probably too late. Um, so yeah, but no, like again, I'm not saying that there's no chance that FAU wins this game because if they come out and they hit 14 three pointers and Memphis goes back to turning the ball over a lot. And as you mentioned, uh, Deandre gets in foul trouble, um, you know, and nobody else steps up then yeah, like we, we could totally see. Uh, uh, an underseeded FAU beat what what's in my mind an underseeded Memphis team, but um, I, I just don't get that feeling. I, 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 I don't I don't I don't think that's going to happen. I I, uh, I think Memphis is playing too well right now. Um, you know they they kind of smell uh, you know the metaphorical blood in the water. Um, they have their sights set on doing some big things, and you know. I think that uh, I think it starts Friday. Well, and to your point, I think if you head over to BartTorvik.com and you do their sortable sat- stats, since February 1st, Memphis has been playing like a top 10 team in the country. They're, right. no, they're, they're number right. 10 in efficiency in the Bart Torvik ratings um, since February 1st among, in the entire country. FAU. 34th on that if you sort it that way um on bart torvik which is good yeah good but not number 10 um and then to your point like i think i think memphis is press in both games if they advance and presumably play purdue i think that press of theirs is going to be so crucial because like aac teams are kind of ready like even though it works still against aac teams like they've seen it now over the years, you know, with Penny, um, and they prepare for it. They're ready for it. You know, they know what it feels like. These teams, like Florida Atlantic, Purdue, who've like never played Memphis before, um, I think that press is going to be uh, so, kind of an eye opener for them, and really kind of, I think it could be a very valuable weapon for Memphis uh, this weekend uh, if used properly and strategically which i think penny has done a pretty good job of doing this year he's not he hasn't like all out pressed all year but it does feel like he has been pretty good at like you know you know identifying the moments when okay let's turn to it now it's going to work like and generally speaking he's turned to it and it's produced a bunch of you know momentum swinging moments for memphis Uh, and i think that could be the case again uh, particularly with the two teams they would potentially face here, Florida Atlantic, and then if they advance to Purdue, I think it's going to be very useful this weekend um, for Memphis. And then, you know, I think another thing that, you know, can't be overlooked with this team, remember we talked about the beginning of the season, like, man, this team doesn't have enough shooting, we think, you know? Well, over the last month or so, Kendrick Davis and DeAndre Williams have become really good three-point shooters. Um, Remember, like, Kendrick Davis was – not good at three point. You know, he was putting up numbers, but the first 15 games, 15, 20 games of the year, he was not a good three point shooter. Um, and lat, you know, DeAndre, it felt like he had like let it abandon his front, he had let it get, get go away from his game almost the last year or so. And both of them now yeah. are shooting the ball really well. And I think it's opened up things for both of them 
And I think it's opened up things for the entire team. I looked it up. Since Keontae Kennedy went down, who was shooting 43% from three-point range, um, I believe in conference games, I think it was I think it was in AAC play, he was shooting 43%. I could be wrong about that. It may be overall, but um, he was he was number one in the league at the time he went down with his hand injury, either in overall three-point field goal percentage or or in conference. Since he went down in the last seven games, Kendrick Davis is shooting 54% from three-point range. DeAndre Williams is shooting 50% from three-point range. Like, I mean, they the way they if they play the way they played in the conference tournament, this team is going to be very, very difficult to knock out. Like, yeah. like if they play at that level against Florida Atlantic and Purdue, like that, like I said, they if they play that level against Florida Atlantic, they're definitely winning. And if they play at that level against Purdue, like I said, it's Purdue better play out of its mind. Like that's how well they played in that conference tournament, the two of them together. I mean, I take it back even before I, I, I would feel comfortable saying not just how they played in the conference tournament. I would say how they played against Houston here. Uh, I would say uh, how they played against SMU um, at SMU. Like it, they've been, you know, you could, you've been, if you've paid attention and you've watched it closely, you've seen this sort of starting to come together when Kendrick got back from his injury you know, there were, yeah, like it wasn't, it, it wasn't seamless, immediate. It wasn't immediate. Uh, as soon as he got back, it wasn't like, you know, things just started clicking, but you could sort of see it start to come, come back together. And, uh, or, or, you know, you could see the path that things were, uh, that, that, that this train was on. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the tournament was obviously, just uh, a three-game stretch for the ages, but you know they've been playing some pretty good basketball for a little bit for for a little while longer than that. Yeah, it'll be uh, very very interesting to see how this uh, how this goes. It feels like you know last year they gave Gonzaga a run for their money in the second round. It feels like this team, like I said, it feels like this team has a better shot than that one last year's team to get to the first Sweet 16 uh, since John Calipari left. Um, but we shall see. We'll have tons of coverage of everything Memphis basketball-related over at CommercialAppeal.com. Munz and I will be in Columbus starting Thursday. They'll have press conferences and an open practice uh, then. Um, so we'll have tons of coverage from Columbus. Uh, make sure you are checking it all out. Um, as we uh, proceed into March Madness with this uh, red-hot Memphis basketball team after that AAC championship. Uh, we will uh, certainly join you next week to ra- hopefully, hopefully we'll be previewing the Sweet 16. Um, but uh, we will join you next week when we're back from Columbus, win or lose, to break down what has become a uh, very intriguing and uh uh, accomplished and uh, potentially special Memphis basketball season. Till then, I was Mark. That was Jason. Um, we will. Uh, we'll see you next week.
Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.